Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me. This is a preview episode for Michigan's final home game of the season, taking on Illinois. Interesting test, in my personal opinion. We'll talk about the keys for both Michigan's offense and Michigan's defense, but, you know, Steve, you and I were talking right before the show, probably the best defense Michigan has faced all season. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not quite as sold on Illinois offense, but, but certainly not a slouch. I mean, this is in, in some ways, this is almost what you want. If you're trying to like, kind of get out of maybe gets you out of autopilot. I think that was a phrase I used before we hit record, you know, can't just do the exact same thing that you've done the entire time. So we'll talk about some of the keys on both sides of the ball. Let's start with Michigan's offense. Michigan's offense is an interesting place because I think the passing game has, has is in a little bit of a slump statistically over the last three weeks. Uh, the run game is obviously working extremely well, but but you almost you know you saw last season they limited Hassan Haskins carry load against Maryland before the Ohio State game. You don't you don't want you you don't play not to get hurt, but you also don't want your running backs to be sore heading into the game week. So there, there's a tricky balance there. Plus, Illinois, top six in pretty much every run defense category. They have some serious, I mean, guys who will play in the NFL up front in run support, uh, pretty good across the board. Not just strong for Illinois, but strong for any team in the country. They've got they've got some real stars on defense, guys that NFL scouts are going to be looking at. So what's the biggest key for you for Michigan's offense on Saturday that that would either be an early indication that they're going to win or a good game plan in your mind heading into the matchup. I thought, did you, what was your reaction to Harbaugh's comment about the uh, people, the critics? Did you see that one? Yeah. About yeah, the yeah. Passing game. Do you kind of, do you, I don't know. I, was, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, he's, he's had to defend this for eight years though. True. True. I just, yeah, I think, I think we, I think we went about it the right way last week and not, not so much in saying we don't care if they're going to, they're going to win running the football. Uh, we know that at this point, but, but when they do pass, you want to see the passing game be more effective than it has been. And, and a lot of people harp on the deep pass. I mentioned the intermediate passing game has kind of gone away the last couple of weeks as well. I guess that's where I'm, I'm just going to kind of go back on that and, and say that that's something I think we want to see more of on Saturday, uh, a successful intermediate passing game. Not saying, not a, uh, not JJ McCarthy needs to throw for 350 yards because if he does, that means Ohio State has more that they have to worry about in Columbus. It's it's really just more about what even the play action. I mean, Michigan did do they do they go play action because their play action's been outrageously successful, or do they work more? Do they do more of the straight shotgun or, or even, I mean, he even had a couple dropbacks uh, under center, I want to say the last few weeks, and, but the results there have been a little more skittish. It, it looks like. So for me, it's not about how many yards they throw for. Uh, it's just more about when they do throw the ball, you know, can they move the chains? Can they get the receivers a little bit more involved, you know, type thing. Cause I, I you know, I know Illinois got, well, I believe they're the second ranked, defense statistics in that's in total yardage it doesn't mean they're the second best defense in the country but safe to say they're probably the best defense Michigan's faced so far this season 
still think they're going to have some success running the football on them. So, so it really just comes down to just seeing, still seeing some progression in the passing game. Just like I said, I don't believe that means you have to see a certain statistic. Just look crisp on in both facets because that is something that they're going to have to do in Columbus. You're, you, they, they, I do think they'll be able to run the ball in Ohio State as well, but that won't necessarily be enough against a team of that talent level. I think you're going to have to do some of both. Uh, so, yeah. And stay healthy. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Right, right. Not just stay – I mean, you can't predict injuries, but, you know, can you – if Michigan gets a lead, this might be a game where you sacrifice covering the spread or passing the eye test or whatever to to get starters out of the game in some key spots. I I agree with the general premise that Michigan is well within its rights and abilities to be a run first offense. I'm kind of with you. When the efficiency drops off, that's where you start to ask questions. I don't think it matters if JJ McCarthy throws for 150 yards or 300 yards. But Steve, just to to share some of the, the stats and maybe the drop-off, in the first six games of the season before Michigan's bye week, the Wolverines were completing 73.7% of passes, averaging 8.7 yards per attempt, passer efficiency rating of 163.2. In three games since then, that completion percentage has dropped to 52.5, so more than 20% drop. They've averaged 6.4 yards per attempt, more than two yards per attempt of a drop. And then the passer efficiency rating has dropped to 128.3. So that's, what, 35 points dropping? That's where you start to say, if you're Michigan, and you're thinking, again, make it to the Rose Bowl. If that's if that's the goal, they're already there, basically. But if if the goal is 12 wins in the regular season, making the college football playoff, and then making it to the national championship game, you know, that's those are some of the areas that you can still improve. And when I look at this Illinois defense, I think they have great cornerbacks, they have great safeties. They do not have a linebacker core. I guess it's a little like Michigan, where they're great in run support, but I, I don't they don't really impress me a ton in coverage. And granted, very few teams in the country have like great linebackers in coverage, but even compared to other linebackers. I think there's a little bit of a drop off here. And 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 what I've also noticed is that Illinois, not elite at stopping passes, I guess, over the middle of the field and between the numbers. You're thinking about the the thirds of the field. So between the numbers, middle of the field, part of that is the linebackers. I think part of that is just the the talent level of of Illinois' defensive backfield. So for me, a big key is I think this has to be a game where tight ends and running backs get involved in the passing game. You know, Purdue and Michigan State the last two weeks beat Illinois and really were the only teams that I've seen that have been able to consistently produce throwing the ball against the Fighting Illini. They're the only teams with multiple passing touchdowns on Illinois this season. Michigan State, 15 targets to tight ends and running backs against Illinois. Purdue the very next week, it was 13. So you're talking about two offenses, granted, probably more pass-happy offenses than Michigan's is, but they were able to find some success. And I, I think a big part of it was getting the tight ends involved, getting the running backs involved. Last week, due to injuries, Luke Schoonmaker was out. Colson Loveland was only targeted twice. Uh, Donovan Edwards missed all but like four or five snaps. 
So Blake Horn was only targeted once. So tight ends running backs were not a part of Michigan's passing game last week. We do not have the injury report or the availability report right now. But even even if guys aren't in the lineup or, or whatever, I, there's still enough talent, in my opinion, to incorporate that part of the game in Michigan's offense. That's something that, again, Michigan's receivers might be able to produce against Illinois no matter what. But based on what we've seen from Michigan's passing attack and what we've seen from Illinois' pass defense, I think that is, you know, you, if, if you're trying to beat a great defense, you want to find the soft spots in either the coverage or in the defense. Just feels like that's, that's an area that Michigan has the talent to be really effective. But I think it, it, I think the Wolverines have kind of gone away from that the past few weeks, whether, whether it's play action, whether it's check downs, whether it's, you know, kind of just some of those routes over the middle of the field. I mean, I mean, that was a big strength for Michigan last season. Steve is is how often Cade McNamara. I don't think very many people would say Cade McNamara was the better thrower than JJ McCarthy from an arm strength perspective, but he he was able to have some really efficient games by finding tight ends, finding running backs. I mean, Steve, I know I know you and I have not watched every Illinois game this season, but that that does feel like if Michigan, if you told me Michigan's offense is clicking at at every cylinder. Feels like tight end running back involvement would have to be pretty high. Yeah, is Luke Schoonmaker back? Donovan was the Donovan Edwards removal last week a an injury or disciplinary? I mean that 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 whole thing is still kind of odd. Never really got any answer about that, you know. So there's two big, really, kind of encompasses what you just talked about as far as like tight end and back because those are kind of the two guys, you know, that would spearhead that. Although, you know, I really still <laughs> I can mention him again. But it feels like Colson Loveland is starting to come on as an as an all around type player for Michigan right now. Like I like I've said before, uh, middle of November, I don't really think you can call like freshmen who have played as much as some of these freshmen. Like they're not really freshmen anymore necessarily, you know. And the and 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 you, you know, don't did... have to give him every ounce of the playbook for him to run a drag route and make a play. Yep, but he's. I think he's. I just. I always look, I always read or check out uh, MGO blogs there the uh, upon further review and he scored Colston Loveland outrageously high in the Nebraska game both as a as a route runner and as a blocker so got to think I mean it co it it coincides with an increasing role for him so I can't you know that's another reason why I sort of buy into it uh, that being said like you know a guy that Michigan can use. In, a, in an increasingly uh, large variety of ways or, or whatever. So, yeah, I agree, though, that it is it is that mid-range passing game that opens a lot of other things up. You know, Eric All's already gone, uh, you know, and Schoonmaker has not been 100% for a couple weeks. So, absolutely. The middle of the field is, is it's just like running the football. Being able to run between the tackles opens up the stuff on the outside. And, uh, you know, Michigan, That's that was – you know, Schoonmaker, I think, has been such an important player for Michigan and McCarthy specifically this year because he, he, I, I thought he did an even better job than I even thought he would do as that safety valve, you know, that, that eight to 12 yard a pop kind of guy, you know, who's doing enough to get open, has good enough hands to make the catch and can, he's not going to burn. He's not a burner, but, but he, he can break a tackle 
and and get you know at least get a few extra yards uh, you know and, and potentially move the chains. So yeah, I mean I, I totally agree. I think that that tight end running back usage is is kind of the key that unlocks the rest of the passing game up uh, along with the play action stuff. So having the, like potentially having those guys back would would go a long way. Again, I, we're going to predict. I'm predicting Michigan to win either, even if tight ends and running backs don't play a big role in the passing game on Saturday. But it, it just will will bode better for them heading into next week to to have that part of their offense clicking and, and have everybody on the same page. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is a little bit less. Will Michigan win or lose hinges on this key and more. This is the path of least resistance. I mean, if you're if you're a football coach or or player, I mean, you're football's a hard sport. You you want to you want to take advantage of every opportunity you get, and I I think there's an opportunity there. Another area where I think there's an opportunity, Illinois, their their run defense is is very good. They have great. I really am impressed by their linebackers' ability to kind of like Michigan get to the line of scrimmage, you know, fill in some of the holes. And then their defensive tackles are probably as good of a defensive tackle duo as as any in the country. Uh, Jerzan Newton and Keith Randolph Jr. It's it's really impressive. They're they're pretty good pass rushers too. So I think a key that that I won't spend a ton of time talking about, but I think this is a game where JJ McCarthy rolling out of the pocket on purpose might actually be beneficial because it just it just alleviates some of that that interior pressure that that I don't think a lot of teams Michigan has faced provide. I, I'm trying to think who the best pass rushing tackle they face this season is. So maybe a, a rollout here and there could actually help McCarthy get comfortable. I also think his arm strength and, and mobility makes rolling out a wise idea anyways. Feels like it could be something that really benefits Michigan's passing game overall. But then I also think in the run game, this is this is a game where Michigan is probably best equipped prioritizing runs to the outside. Last week, Purdue really had the best game running the ball, surprisingly, because I don't I don't think you or I view Purdue as a as a running run first offense or anything like that. But last week they ran for 142 yards on Illinois. 111 of them came on 18 carries outside the tackles. On 15 carries inside the tackles, they had just 31 yards. Now, different teams, different offensive lines might have different results. I think Michigan's going to to be really tough to handle if they decide to run in between the tackles. But I think with how proficient Newton and Randolph are at, at stopping runs right at the line of scrimmage, I mean, they have a combined 23 tackles for loss this season. Mozzie Smith, Chris Jenkins, who I think are are having fantastic seasons, they only have six tackles for loss. So, I mean, you're talking about a very disruptive pair of defensive tackles. I think if Michigan wants to sustain drives, score consistently early on in the game, and then also throughout the first half to maybe, maybe build a little bit of comfort, I think this has to be a game where you run to the outside. I mean, whether it's whether it's sweet plays, pitch plays, maybe McCarthy breaks out for an outside run or two. Maybe we, you know, we heard so much about AJ Henning having a Debo Samuel type role. Maybe this is a game where he takes some of those carries. You know, CJ Stokes is coming off the best game of his career. I, I would imagine 
most would say that. You know, maybe he he's got some quickness too. I I think Michigan loves to do to to kind of set the tone, running up the middle, setting a physical tone. And I I wouldn't necessarily say that they'd be doomed if they did that. I don't feel that way at least. But I do think this is a game where some of those outside runs. I mean, Illinois, for as good as they are at stopping runs at the line of scrimmage, uh, roughly fifty-eight percent of the runs that they face get stopped within two yards of the line of scrimmage. But they also quietly they're sixtieth in the country and play run runs of twenty yards or more surrendered. So I mean, there are opportunities, a couple every game, where if a team is has the speed and the athleticism and then the perimeter blocking too, I think that's a big strength of Michigan to make things happen outside the line of scrimmage outside the trenches. There is, there are opportunities for big plays downfield. So Steve, in addition to, to what I just mentioned, I mean, thinking about this philosophically, what would your approach be running the ball in this game? I mean, is this a game knowing even if nobody gets hurt, Every time you run up the middle, it's kind of like taking another rep in the weight room. I mean, it's just you're going to be more sore. It's it's physical. It's tiring. Blake Coram's taken a lot of carries this season. I mean, what what would your mindset be in this game running the ball? Some of it you own, you you're just going to have to decide in the game what you're going to do based on the score, or the situation, or how different guys are performing. But but f- from doing the armchair coaching couple days ahead of the game, what would your approach be for Michigan running the ball, knowing that you've got a, a much bigger game next week, but also knowing that this is this is not necessarily going to be a game where Illinois has 13 interceptions. They have a lot of pass breakups. Uh, you know, they, 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 they statistically performed well in pass defense as well. I mean, what would your mindset be if you were Michigan in terms of running the ball and, and how you want to set the tone in this game? I mean, I think at least initially you'd go about it the same way you would any other game, right? I mean... Make them stop you? Yeah. It, I mean, it's their identity. I don't think there's any I don't think there's any reason to maybe change the, the identity per se. Uh, yeah, it's just really about... I mean, what's Quorum's got to be averaging somewhere around 26, 27 carries a game in conference play, right? I mean, did, do you really want that to be the blueprint again, you know, um, you would think not, but at least initially, I think Michigan will want to do what they've kind of done all year. You know, it's worked and I, I got to assume as, as well as they've played and as successfully as they've run the football, I got to think there's, it's still an art to the extent where there there are always legitimate things they feel like they could improve on or even tweak things on a week to week basis, you know, to, to keep, to, to force defenses or to force, you know, for preparation for defenses to have to account for a lot of, of potential wrinkles and stuff. It does feel like Michigan still, even in the running game is throwing in some new wrinkles just about every week. So and it's, it also feels like the offensive line is is capable of executing said wrinkles. So if you have more variations or schemes or whatever that you can throw 
at Illinois on Saturday, I think you'd still want to if you're Michigan. Uh, it just to me, it comes down for a lot of it comes down to volume for Corum and potentially Edwards. Again, a lot of that just depends on what that situation was last week. Like I said, we never really got an answer. I know Alejandro said he saw him. He at, was uh, he was in pads the whole game on the sidelines. Right, never left. And I, but it, well, he was at like a presser this week during oh. they interviewing CJ Stokes. It was in the, and I think Alejandro mentioned on the board he, he was there and it didn't seem like there was anything wrong or or off about him. So you know, let's just assume he's fine and he plays on Saturday. I still think he's a you know, I, I think best case you still want to limit the volume for those guys. Uh, a for freshness, but B, again, yeah, I mean, we're talking about a game that will decide the East, and if we're being frank, probably the Big Ten, and then subsequently a, a playoff spot. You keep them off the – you get them off the field as quickly as you can so that they don't get hurt, you know, and I, that's <laughs> – people are probably like, yeah, no, duh. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think that should be the aim. I, I don't think you change your identity – but I think you do, to some extent, want to lessen the workload so that you you know you can go to bed on Saturday night knowing that your your best players, your most dangerous weapons offensively, and and then this will this will go for the defense too, uh, you know that they're they're as about as ready and, and as healthy as they can be and, and as you as a player could be at this point in in November and in the season. I tend to agree. Let's knock out some of these offensive prop bets. They're, as always, provided by our good friend Neil, uh, who's a VIP member of our message board via Azul97 over there. We do all 10 of them in a written story, but we try to knock out three on each side of the ball in this podcast. Let's let's go with the passing one. 22.5 passing attempts for J.J. McCarthy in this game. We just mentioned the, you know, Michigan's identity is running the ball, and that has been effective i mean really every game every defense they've been able to produce to the tune of a lopsided victory so i don't think illinois is going to stop that but i i do think the fighting illini i mean all the numbers indicate even even against other solid rushing attacks thinking about minnesota wisconsin they are capable of slowing the wolverines down so, so far in the past few weeks, I've been on a little bit of a roll with these prop bets, and, and I think a big part of it is I always take the unders on the passing stats, and, and really 23 pass attempts in a game, Steve and I both expect Michigan to win by double digits, a game that the weather is going to be like a high of you know 33. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be snow, but but even if there isn't snow, it's not an optimal game for Michigan to really sling the ball around. So I think unless this game is surprisingly close or something like that, I I feel like J.J. McCarthy is going to throw for less than 23 pass attempts in this game. So I'm taking the under. Steve, how about you? I'm sticking with the – I'm just going to keep hammering the over on these passing ones until it finally happens, kind of like the Andrew Anthony – breaking out uh i'm gonna keep i'm gonna will it through these predictions so i'm going with the over i I just like i said it to me it it's no longer about needing to see michigan 
you know, whip the ball all over the field and, you know, dynamic passing game. Uh, we know what they are. They know what they are. But but we still want to see an effective, more effective passing game for them. And, and I think 22 and a half. I, I think they're going to go over on that one. All right, next one. Let's talk about the running back efficiency. 5.0 yards per carry for Michigan's running backs. I mean, Illinois, they are as significantly better than anyone Michigan has faced this season at, at stopping the run, not just on a yards per game, but also yards per carry standpoint. And in Blake Corum, I, I don't think he's averaged, you know, crazy high yards per carry lately. I mean, it seems, I think the Rutgers game, he, he ended up being high just because he had the 43 yard run or whatever. But I think as, as weird as it sounds, I think I'm going to take the, under on this one i might change it when i really sit down and and go through all the numbers but off the bat i could see this being more of a 4.5 yards per carry type game doesn't mean michigan won't be successful or can't win but i don't know if the efficiency is is a given given what illinois defense is and what michigan's run game has been lately how about you 5.0 yards per carry from from their running backs alone I'm going with the over. I, so Illinois, definitely good defense. I just kind of looking at their schedule, not good offenses that they've faced. Um, you know, we, we say Ohio or Illinois best defense, especially rushing defense Michigan's faced. Uh, this will be far and away the best rushing attack that Illinois will face all season. This game, their final game and whoever. Yeah, but Minnesota's goal. not not too far off what eh, eh, maybe I just I I just I'm not as bullish about it like after looking at to see who they've played and and stuff is I'm bullish on their defense uh just in the general sense it's just a matter of you know I, I don't know I just think Michigan runs the ball successfully I'm gonna go with the over on this one Minnesota's the number 14 rushing attack in the country they had 142 yards against Illinois rushing defense, but 66 of them came on one carry. So I guess that is one other thing is the fighting Illini have given up a few big rushing plays. Uh, final one, philosophically, does Michigan run the ball on 13 of its first 20 offensive plays? The over-under is set at 12.5. I don't know what the number is. This is a tough one. I always like to like look at what history says or what, what the common trend is uh, this one's a hard one to track i think i'm gonna take the under i think i think scripted drives michigan tends to be a little bit more pass happy i don't know if the numbers back that up but but it's usually more like the slog of the of the game where they really start to run the ball until someone stops them i think they end up throwing the ball at least eight times in the first 20 plays so i'm gonna take the under on this 12.5. I think it'll be 11 or 12 rushing plays. And the rest will be pass. What do you think? 12.5 run plays in its first 20 offensive plays. Yeah, I misread. I wrote over in our, for the actual, like for the article. I, I'm going to go the under though also. I agree for the exact same reason. What Michigan seems to be doing is wearing teams out physically throughout the game and then yeah and then yeah kind of really relying on the rushing attack in the second half in a in a big way so so yeah I, I don't think that they'll run 
that's yeah, that'd be 13 runs, seven passes to begin the game. I I don't see it. I, I think Michigan does come out throwing the ball a little bit more. So I'll say under. All right. We're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk about the defensive keys as well as more prop bets and our final score predictions for this game. You're listening to the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. And we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, I do think Michigan's defense is going to have a nice time in this game. I, I'm not I'm not dismissive of Illinois' offense. I, I've seen plenty from Tommy DeVito. Isaiah Williams, I think, is someone who's maybe having an underrated season just because I think the passing game at Illinois is being overshadowed by the run game of Chase Brown. And Chase Brown, obviously, is very good himself. I wouldn't be surprised if he is a Doak Walker finalist uh he might end up leading the country in rushing yards i think his health will have a little bit to do with that but but regardless uh he's having a phenomenal season but to me i mean when i when i look at the keys for this i mean it really is i think i think the actual like most dangerous part that michigan's defense has to be aware of is just not letting isaiah williams run wild he is he is first among power five wide receivers and broken tackles this season and broken tackles includes shedding a tackle, but also juking someone force missed tackles. I think it's the stat pro football focus uses. And I believe he is second among power five receivers and yards after the catch. So he is like the ultimate, like take the screen, take the five yard pass and then go make something happen with his legs. I mean, he was, he was a former quarterback was recruited, I believe, by Michigan as a, as a wide receiver, but he played quarterback for a couple seasons at Illinois. When when Bielema came in, he switched to wide receiver. Really elusive. I I would almost venture to say that's a bigger key, Stop, slowing him down or or not letting him, I guess, get room to to build up his speed. He doesn't need a ton of room. You know, let him let him catch the pass. That's not necessarily the big concern, but rather limit his yards after the catch. Have someone in position to make a play on him as much as possible. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm the only one thinking this, but I almost feel like that's a bigger threat to Michigan's defense than Chase Brown. And that's that's really just me. One, I think I don't know Brown's full his his injury looked pretty painful uh against Purdue. I was I was in the press box, so I wasn't watching the entire thing or listening to the to what the broadcasters had to say. But but even if he does return I don't know that he'll be taking on 30 plus carries in this game, but also his, his efficiency had kind of started to decline. I think teams had, had kind of figured out his tendencies, what Illinois does when it runs the ball and knowing what Michigan can do as a run defense. I'm not particularly concerned about chase Brown. I guess he might have a productive game, but I don't think he'll, if Michigan finds itself in trouble, I don't think it will be cut be because of chase Brown. I think it'll be more because of what Isaiah Williams and Tommy DeVito were able to do. So to me, that's actually my biggest key. What's your biggest key for Michigan's defense in this game? Yeah, I think you're spot on. Uh, talk about a workload. I mean, Brown gets the ball probably more than. Does. He has like 30 more carries than Coram does this yeah, season. He, I, just, I, I went and looked. Well, I had the Minnesota box score up from the, to for the Ibrahim thing that we just talked about. And, and he carried the ball 41 times in that game. It's a lot. Yeah, their offense is predicated around him, but I totally agree. Illinois got a really interesting mix of guys at receiver and tight end. I mean, Brian Hightower was a former four-star. 
uh, at IMG Academy that committed. I believe he signed with Miami, transferred over. Luke Ford, if any, some I'm sure some listeners might remember that name. Uh, yeah. Was a top, top 100 tight end, committed and signed with Georgia, but then he was the guy who had his, uh, they transferred to Illinois and he had his immediate eligibility uh, petition or whatever rejected. Uh, he was the one that had the sick family member. That's why he moved back. That was a big story back then. Uh, but another former top 100 type player. And then, yeah, Isaiah Williams, who was trying to be recruited as a quarterback. But, you know, even when he was being recruited, was it was clear just much higher ceiling as, as a, either a receiver or a defensive back, to be honest. So, yeah, the, some intriguing pieces there for, for Illinois. So, yeah, it, DeVito has no shortage of talent to spread the ball around too, but, but yeah, I mean, again, we always we go back to Chris Jenkins, Mozzie Smith. Uh, nobody's really been able to crack that code yet in the middle, you know, and then when you have like somebody like Michael Barrett playing the best football, of their career, uh, you know, Michigan's rush defense continues to look better and better. And, and yeah, I mean, if, if Brown's going to have any success, it's going to be over the long haul and with a lot of carries, I, I don't believe it's going to be yeah, a game where he averages, a bunch of yards or per carry. Cause honestly, I mean, even just looking at some of the other box scores that that really hasn't been his thing. He's just, he's been a, an effective bell cow running back for Illinois. So yeah, I, I agree. Actually. I think, I think them having forcing Michigan's back seven to have to think a little bit would be the one way where maybe they could get some first downs going. You know, I, I don't believe a run first game plan is, is going to do, Illinois a bunch of favors I feel like that's you know that's and that's why Michigan's run defense has been so valuable because second 10 second 11 third and eight third and nine lets Michigan tee off put pressure on for some mistakes yeah I I agree just a quick stat on Brown he leads the country with 43 carries of 10 yards or more but only nine of them have gone for 20 yards or more so really impressed with his season no one gets to 1,400 rushing yards as like a fluke. I mean, you you earn those yards, but but I do think, especially in recent weeks, the way teams have, have I don't know if they figured something out or if they're just prioritizing defending him more, he's, he's had a little less room and, and a little less effectiveness. So I, I think, really, if, if Illinois pulls off a quote-unquote surprise, it won't be because Brown ran for 150 yards. It'll be because Williams had... 75 80 yards i also think it'll be it'll be a good test i know i kind of said that last week about trey palmer i feel like i've I've sprinkled that in there a couple times when i see a good receiver but you know ohio state they've got some they've got some very shifty quick and athletic wide receivers i don't think i'm it's not really a novel concept by me or or not really going out on a limb there with that but Last week, I thought Michigan did a great job containing Trey Palmer. I think I mentioned the stat in the last podcast, 12 receiving yards on 10 targets. That's that's a really good sign. Even even if Nebraska was down to its second and then third string quarterback, that's a good sign. And, and I think Williams, kind of a different game plan because they really don't have him run the ball deep at all. Uh, so it's not quite the same as Ohio State, but in terms of wrapping up, in terms of open field tackling, pursuit, corralling a, a, a very explosive playmaking pass catcher, I, I think this will be something that we'll we'll learn a little bit about Michigan's defensive backfield in this game. They're off to off to a great start. First ten games, 
really not a lot to to critique. Uh, this is just a continuation of that. Steve, anything else you really want to see from Michigan's defense this week? And I, I feel like they're going to have the better end of this side of the ball for sure, like comfortably. I, Illinois, you know, I was even talking to our Illinois writers, and they were kind of like, yeah, if Michigan gets this game into the 20s, it, it might be over. I mean, this is not a it's, a – it's an effective offense, but, I mean, they beat Iowa 9-6. to six. Minnesota, I think it was like a 24-10 type game. And really the last two weeks when they've lost, it really has, hasn't has been, you know, punch for punch. It's been more, a lot of defense, a couple drives here and there. So I, I'm, I'm not overly impressed with Illinois' offense right now. So is there anything you want to see from Michigan's defense that will either change or further your belief on what, Michigan can do against Ohio State. I think for me, the big one is just the pass rush. They Michigan's pass rush fall not falling off. Falling off makes it sound like they've been bad, but it's it's really it's regressed from some of its early success over the past few weeks. And and I think I just have a hard time believing Michigan's going to limit CJ Stroud unless they get significant pressure on him. His numbers fall off a cliff when he's under pressure, but Michigan last few weeks hasn't necessarily shown that they're going to be able to generate that kind of pressure. So I, I think this is a game where against a pretty good pass protecting offensive line, pretty experienced, pretty big, you know, not Nebraska's offensive line. This is a much better pass protecting group. I think it's important to see more pass rush, maybe even like more interior pass rush. I, 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 Mozzie Smith, I think had a pretty good game last week, but but I think that's what's going to help avoid maybe plays getting extended as much as they have been is just getting a collective pass rush going. Anything you you want to see in addition to slowing down Williams that you want to see from Michigan's defense in this game that will impact how you view next week's contest? I just think push to continue to, and again I think any coach in the country would say this, but but try to force some turnovers. Um, Say Michigan's only recovered three fumbles this year, which is near dead last in the country. And I know that's sort of a luck-induced statistic, but I don't believe they've forced a ton of fumbles either. Actually. They have not. No. Right. You know. By the way, they are dead last in the country. They have one forced fumble all season. Yeah, that's like that's insane. You know. So, yeah, I mean that. I guess would probably be the other thing, you know, whether it's via the pass rush or jar a couple balls loose, you know, I think that'd be a, a positive sign, uh, you know, for them. Otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's sick to the script. I agree. I would say the pass rush it's been, it, I feel like even within each game has just kind of fluctuated. Like there are drives where they seem to rush, like there are streaks almost where they seem to rush the passer. Well, and then it, then it kind of goes away a little bit, then it comes back. So you know, some more, even just more consistency in, again, with pass rush, you don't have, it's not about, you don't have to get the sack, but, you know, do enough to, to force the quarterback to throw it a half a second faster than he would, you know, because that will grab, that'll uh, exponentially increase the chance of, of forcing a turnover. So, you know, that's, I really do think it comes down to, you know, just trying to, trying to at least create potential turnovers. 
some tipped balls off of a, you know, because of the quarterbacks rushing, just stuff like that. I think that those are the types of little things I feel like I'll be looking for on Saturday from Michigan uh, defensively. You know, fumbles are a little bit of a luck stat, but this particular matchup, I, I, I don't think that it's just luck. Illinois, they have 20 fumbles this season. They have not lost all 20 of them, but they've lost 11 of them. And that is tied for fourth most in the country with Akron, Miami, and Colorado teams that are not very good. So, yeah, I think if I'm Michigan's defense, maybe I'm throwing some, I'm punching the ball a little bit. It just seems like ball security. And I, I haven't watched Illinois enough to know, like, was it a, a particularly rainy game that caused like six of these or something like that? But, but at the same time, I mean, if you fumble 20 times, the one that surprised me, I mean, 13 times when you, on rushing plays, that's decently high, but, but seven times from Illinois receivers, that really surprises me. I mean, that, that's almost where if I'm Steve Klinkscale, I'm telling, you know, Rod Moore, RJ Moten, Mike Sanders, still DJ Turner, all those guys. Hey, maybe, maybe throw a punch in at the ball when you're, when you're going in for the tackle. I mean, cause just cause it, it seems like that, that might be something where you could shake the ball loose. And again, if Michigan forces two fumbles in this game, that could turn a 17 to 13 type game into a 30 to seven type game um, that, that can really produce pretty significant swings. All right, let's get into these prop bets. Let's go with the yards per carry first, 3.9 yards per carry from Illinois running backs. That's a pretty good number. I think that was, that was well selected because I was, I was ready to instinctively take the under, but but three point nine is not it's not high. I think I'm still going to take the under, but I wouldn't. I feel like it's going to be in that three point five to four point five range. Uh, but between not really knowing what Brown's availability or health is going to be, uh, Reggie Love the third, his backup really has not taken on. I mean, Brown has taken on six times as many carries as, as love has this season. So that, that tells you a little bit about the, the drop off in ability, I suppose. So I'm going to take the under, just not really knowing everything about Brown, but then also, I mean, Chase Brown, his production has fallen off in terms of a yards per carry standpoint. So I'm taking the under Steve. How about you? I'm saying the under. I'm not falling for it. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I feel like under little, is falling for it, but it was a little strong. Um, no, I just, you know, I'm just going with Michigan's run defense here. Yeah. Like I said, I, you know, I, that stat about with Brown, the 10 yard versus 20 yard. I mean, yeah, I, I just, what's the other thing that Michigan's done a really good job of this year is, is tackling. Yep. So, you know, I don't like. I would assume, and maybe you have this, the PFF stuff, but uh, that Brown has probably broken a decent amount of tackles or has a decent amount of yards after yeah. contact. That would yeah, that he's would, up there, he right? That has to be the one, only actually. way that you would have yeah. a lot of ten plus, but not a lot of twenty plus. So, yeah, Michigan's tackling ability and and just their stoutness in the middle. I, I, I'm going to go with the under. All right, we got another completion percentage one. I haven't actually tracked how we've done in these. All season, but 55.5% completion rate from Illinois quarterbacks. Tommy DeVito, really efficient throwing the ball this season from a completion percentage standpoint. It helps when he 
does a lot of short passes to Isaiah Williams, but but I believe he's if he's not the best in the country, he's among the best. 70.0 completion percentage this season. I think I'm going to take the over on 55.5. I don't think he'll be as effective throwing the ball as he has been in other games this season, but I do think Illinois' game, it's it's a little bit like what Michigan's was earlier in the season. A lot of high percentage throws, not super concerned about the 30-yarder downfield, more so about getting five to 10 yards here and there. I think I'm going to take the over on this one, which just sounds weird because I don't expect Illinois to be effective passing the ball. But a guy who's completed 70% of them this season feel like he can get to at least 55.5. What about you? I said under. I think they stick Michigan stifles Illinois offensively across the board. I'm not a big, you know, we did mention Isaiah Williams, Luke Ford, Brian Hightower, but either way, I think Michigan's defense comes ready. I think the one theme I've been kind of harping on the last few weeks is, you know, there's always that idea of like looking ahead and Harbaugh's even mentioned Ohio State, but I think he's mentioned it for it to work sort of the way that it has, which is I think Michigan is is properly using it as fuel for their games, not an opportunity to look ahead. Uh, so I think they know they need to – this is a very general statement to just say under, but I, I just think Michigan is is going to be clicking on all cylinders on Saturday. I, I would expect the under. I do think the pass rush improves. I think we see a better pass rush on Saturday, a more consistent one. And and, and I think that will uh, definitely impact DeVito's ability. Last one, 6.5 points allowed in the second half. And, and Steve, my answer actually kind of has to do with what you just said about Ohio State. I don't think Michigan is necessarily scout. Like, I don't think they're spending practice doing Ohio State scout team stuff necessarily. I think it's, it's more, hey – you're having a great season, but so is Ohio State. I think it's more motivation, and and I'm sure the, the coaches are doing some prep work, and I wouldn't be surprised if the players are are sneaking in some some extra drills here or there that 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 are designed with Ohio State in mind. But I think it's more the mindset of you are building each week, trying to get better because your season hinges on that Ohio State game, because it really does. I mean, one of these teams, Michigan or Ohio State, is going to have the most empty 11 and one season that ends up in the Rose Bowl that you could possibly have. That's for sure for you. You don't, you still, you don't think that the loser still gets in in some way? Like, oh, for the playoff scenario, I think it's, I think it's possible. Okay, I do I think say, you need, I do think you need TCU or Tennessee to lose, though. I just think it, it, it just depends on how close this. It should. Let me, let me rephrase that. It should depend on how closely contested the game. If it's a repeat of like 06, where it's a three point Michigan loses by and both teams look very good. I think then, then then Tennessee to then to me, Tennessee should not pass either team regardless of who wins just because, you know, that's, I mean, those are, that's me. It'd be, I would not want to, I would not envy the people in the room. Yeah. I get it, but they've had some. They've looked pretty good too. They I mean, have, but but again, then we then we, then we're talking about a scenario where where Michigan's resume would be, you know, 
granted Tennessee's only loss would be the, the number one team, but they were, they were dominated throughout. Like that game was never yeah. even close. Um, you know, it's the same reason Michigan should have, it should have been a rematch in 06. I know Florida beat Ohio state, but uh, you can't tell me losing the number one team on the road by a field goal that could you literally have a better one loss <laughs> resume, right. you know, honestly. So uh, I don't know. Sorry. I just, I, you know, I, you mentioned that I, I still think the loser is going to have, will there be a legit opportunity that it's not an empty Rose bowl situation. It, it well, well, okay. Let be, me, though. let me rephrase it. If the team that loses goes to the Rose bowl and is 11 and one, Okay. Well then, yeah. Are then they going to be the all-time unhappiest Rose Bowl eleven and one participants in their school's history? I mean, given that that loss will be to your bitter rival, then yeah, probably. Yeah. I think it. Yeah. Be, <laughs> so. Well, and and you wouldn't necessarily have like this season of like. I mean, it's just it, it speaks to the the playoff or bust mindset, but it also speaks to both teams have really just they've made it look very easy so yeah. far. So anyway, with all of that said, 6.5 points allowed in the second half. I'm taking the under on this one because I think Michigan has, I think they've figured out how to balance that Ohio State motivation into their whole season. I think this is a very focused defense. I think it's the most focused defense Michigan has had under Jim Harbaugh. I didn't cover the team before then, so I can't speak to you know what it was like in the 90s or 2000s, but... But I feel like we see a lot fewer random big plays or random touchdown drives here and there. So I'm actually taking the under on 6.5 points allowed in the second half. And and I guess the recent games are are part of that. They've only given up three second half points in their last five games, which is just crazy. I mean, that's just that that's a team, that's a defense that really knows how to stay focused for 60 minutes, knows how to wear teams down. It doesn't take plays or snaps or drives off. So I'm actually taking the under. Steve, how about you? I, I said I said under at first, let it change my mind. Um, just because I'm convinced that something will happen that will cause some people to just unnecessarily press the panic button heading into Columbus. So... I'm picking Michigan to win. Obviously, I'm picking them to win comfortably. I, I think maybe Illinois has like a good drive sometime in the third or fourth quarter, scores, and you know, there's cracks in the second half defense. Um, oh just a, yeah, yeah. Just, Although just last a, year there wasn't a, any panic, and I, the panic was more that Ohio State looked really darn good against Michigan true, State. True. Like last true. year, Mi- Michigan put up 59 points against Maryland. I think they won by. 41 points. That was one of their best performances of the year. Honestly, that yeah. Was a, yeah, that was a great performance in all three facets. So, um, and it, I mean, when also when I say over, it could be a junk score late in the game too. I just, I don't know. I'm oh, you're right. Hunch, yeah. Going with a hunch on this one. So uh, I'll say over. I, I think Illinois gets in the end zone at some point in the second half. Okay. Final score prediction and any other thoughts you have about this matchup? No, I think we've covered it pretty thoroughly. Uh, I'll say Michigan 34. Illinois, 13. Okay. I, I'm going a little bit more lower scoring. Maybe I've I've watched too much of the Illinois defense in, in preparation for this game. I'm going to say Michigan, 28. Illinois, 10. Feels like a game where Michigan's offense 
will at least be challenged. I don't know that it's going to be close the whole game or anything like that, but I do think Michigan is going to have to do something other than its bevy of runs up the middle to have success in this game, at least to have significant success. I do think they can be. I mean, in the in the end, Michigan has pretty lopsided wins over two of the three teams that have beaten Illinois. Right. And, and in the end, the talent level is different. I think Michigan is is a little bit more full speed, whereas Illinois is in, in kind of a year two trying to rebuild uh, after some pretty bad recruiting classes after losing a lot of talent. But I, I one thing I will add that we didn't mention, shout out to uh, Tank Wright, former Michigan assistant, a guy who was considered for several assistant coaching jobs at Michigan. He was Ben Herbert's kind of assistant strength and conditioning coach. He's got Illinois getting built up right as their strength and conditioning coach. I mean, I think offensive line, defensive line really especially have 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 kind of been fast-tracked to being what Brett Bielema built at Wisconsin. And some of that's recruiting, but I think a lot of that happens from January to July in the strength and conditioning facilities. So a little bit of like a Michigan light building over there in Champaign. So it will be an interesting game to see kind of the see kind of how things look in the trenches but ultimately we both have Michigan winning comfortably I've got it 28 to 10 for Steve Lorenz I'm Zach Shaw be sure to check out all of our preview stories over at the michiganinsider.com michigan247sports.com got the scouting report four keys and a pick we'll have obviously our prop bets as well uh, as well as some other storylines senior day too I'll have a, a story after the game on on probably one of the more impressive senior classes that that you'll see i mean last year's was pretty good too but i think this year's senior class a lot of really compelling stories of of perseverance uh but also helping lead michigan into this suddenly very bright future and 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 present as well but but really changing the trajectory of the program so it should be a fun senior day game be sure to read all of our stories This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. We'll see you after the game.